everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Casual Master Quest. This is going to be episode 86 coming to your hot. It's going to be February 10th for anybody that's listening on the audio, otherwise February February 8th for us. Holy smokes, we got a full group today. Nick, you're still here. Hi. I'm glad. I know you're, you're going to book it out on us about uh, us starting early actually worked out for you. Welcome. Hi. Hi. This is, um, yeah, we're, we're quite a... Uh, convenient uh change of plans um the only downside is that i had to shower on oh, a saturday no. morning oh no because i have to have to run out of the house right after this and uh oh, bad <laughs> our our uh parallel to captain canada up there is glenn how you doing baby great just uh just loving life man you know every day is good awesome <laughs> i'm gonna be your host today tyler That's all Benito. I have to say about that <laughs> uh, you're gonna force gump it okay okay but we do have two important guests today uh the developers of squidlet holy smokes we played it we reviewed it and i i was super surprised um thank you sam alex welcome to the show oh, thank you we're Hello. glad to be here uh you guys have uh man uh it hasn't really been a long time coming because uh, thankfully it went by fairly quickly getting you guys together. But holy smokes, th this is exciting! This is, uh, I believe, our first time actually having a uh, you know two video game developers on the show. Oh my! This is true. Oh. Yeah. So no pressure. You don't have to. There's yeah, no, no 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 pressure. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you're setting the standards. Uh, you can you know try to sound as cool as possible. I mean, unless you count those guys that did the uh, the pixel spark but uh they weren't really they were just developed. mods they were admins okay glorified <laughs> mods <laughs> mods with power uh but yeah uh holy smokes uh sam how's your week been going it's been going it's been going pretty good we've been working super hard on super squidlet i've been focusing yeah. primarily on cutscenes this uh -huh. week and last week Ooh, cutscenes. Now, uh, when you say cutscenes, is that uh, something new compared to the Squidlet, or are we just talking about like conversational and any dialogue that's happening? Um, usually, what I mean by cutscenes are like there will be little scenes of like you enter a new room or a new area, and there will just be a segment of conversation with multiple characters. And we started doing some new uh, like experimenting with camera movement in Game Maker. So like having a camera that will move around the level. Nice. Uh, there's there's two of them in Squidlet. Yeah. So, but there's a lot more in Super Squidlet. Yes. Okay. That, 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 that's awesome. Uh, I stuttered there. I'm really nervous. Uh, just uh, inside crowd here. Uh, Alex, how's your uh, week been going? It's been going pretty good. Um, I've been drawing and animating a lot of stuff as usual. Mm -hmm. um, I've been... I've been attempting to make more music, <laughs> and uh, we're a little behind on the music front, uh, just because, frankly, the rest of the game is so massive. But uh, now we're finally looking like we have we're gonna have some time to make more music. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man, it sounds like it's been uh, all hands on deck for uh, Super Squidlet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when did you guys start the project for the second game? Oof. Uh. uh... Almost oh, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess it's more like a year and three quarters, but yeah. All right. All right. Nick, uh, Hot Wheels, Hi. beat that. Oh, hot Wheels? Hot Wheels. Uh, um, I, I like Hot Wheels. I used to have Hot Wheels. Oh, I was Fresh just making pot? a... What? What? Fresh Pots? 
Yes. Fresh, fresh pods? Pots. Pots. Yes. You, you, Nick, <laughs> how's, your, how's your week been going, man? Um, it's been all right. Um, the, the highlight of my week, which is funny. I, I've, I, I don't know if I've, I've expressed this on the show before, but I hate that um, I'm only just discovering D&D. Mm. Um, I, I know the feeling, man. Like, I'm glad you took to it so well, but... Uh... So, so what's getting at you? What's uh, what's bothering you here? No, I hate that I only just found D and D. Like I am about to turn. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. I'm not. I'm not complaining about my age. I'm just saying I'm about to turn 25, and this is the, like I only discovered D and D last year. Oh man! Right. Like, I wish I was born with the, the player's guide. Or uh, the player's I was born handbook. in 1978, <laughs> playing Gary Gygax's basement. Yeah, <laughs> listening to metal, playing D and D. I would have been a true rebel. I would have fit in. I, you know. Yeah. I, um, I feel like if you did that early, though, <laughs> your your father would have like viciously tried to tear that away from you, and then yeah, no, you probably would. Yeah, but once yeah. then, once you got the Canada, <laughs> it's like yes, unsuppressed nerdosity, which is also a Midwest term. I just made it up. Please don't quote me. Nice. On that. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. Um. We talked about it last week. I had my idea my first ever session. Yeah. Uh, congrats. Welcome to the Dion's um, Club. And I completely understand all the memes now about D&D being a game of the players versus the DM. And I just want to kill my players, but they won't die. <laughs> um, Do it. I understand. So. Do it <laughs> It's like so. you, you, you want to murder the players, but when they succeed against that murder, you got to compliment them and give them more stuff so it's harder next time. It's confusing. Yeah. It makes me happy when they, when they successfully complete my challenges, but I, I also hate it. Hmm. That's fair. I mean, so, but <laughs> but it was just the one session. It ended up being like a six-hour session because a, the original plan was four hours. First two hours to set up the characters. This was session zero, and then the next two hours to like you know just get into it a little bit, introduce the world and the story. But mm. then we all just got caught up in it, and then we just ended up going for like a full regular four-hour session. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, so I ended up coming home at like one a.m. or something. You feel like that uh, kind of mentality is like how Piccolo probably felt when he was training Gohan? Like, I'm trying to kill this guy, but I should be proud that he's actually surviving it. No, Piccolo is a, a true, uh, at the start at least, was a Sundare character. Because he's like, I don't fucking care about anybody else. I just want to be Mr. Evil and bad guy and kill everybody. Look at this oh, pathetic, yeah. weak, little, tiny creature. He's not cute at all. I will protect him. I will give up my life for him. I'll, I'll train him. every person. Baka. It's every person with their pet is so Gohan's Piccolo's pet. Eventually, yeah. not like I want you to dodge or anything. <laughs> okay, uh, it sounds like we're gonna have a lot of D and D that's happening over here because Glenn, you've been oh gosh, you gave the look, the, the haunted yes. look, the the thousand games a week look. Yeah, I'm between Casual Quest Masters and my other groups just for some reason have figured out how to maintain some sort of consistency. I'm running a minimum of three games a week. Um, so it's, but the beauty is that I'm comfortable enough as a dungeon master that for the most part, I just get a real, like I do a lot of work early on anything and get a really great idea of who the players are, what's going on pol politically, socially, you know, magically whatever it's D, &D. um and then and then i just let the players interact with it so i have right. a timeline for events and things and places and people that are all very interesting and compelling but it's up to the players to interact with that so it's not like a module where um 
you know, they've got a specific set of things for you to do, or even a sandbox, it's like a beach. So you can just, <laughs> there's a whole beach. Like the other day, some of my players, they, long story short, there's evil versions of them that had a long time to kind of like sully their good names yeah. um, while they weren't there. And they made, they used the wish spell to bring them to them because they were tired of looking for them in the world. And little did they know that this guy, this 20th level wizard, had made a lot of simulacrums. So the fight got really bad against this them Kingdom Hearts really 3. fast. It was bad. And he was just like, <laughs> I, one of the guys was just like, I just don't like, you know, impossible fights. I was like, dude, I didn't wish them there. You made that choice. <laughs> I mean, it felt difficult, but I did not choose for this to happen. You did, you know, so... Uh, but it's beauty, beautiful in that way in that, you know, I in that way, as long as I get a really good base, the planning for it after that becomes a lot simpler because I can just come knowing, okay, this is what they've done. Okay, this is where they are in the timeline. And then what are they going to do next? But I don't know. Okay, how does that interact with that? Great. And you just move on. It's a lot of fun. I believe you've said before when it comes to uh, Nick and Brandon and I in Casual Quest Masters that uh, we pretty much generate our own content and there's been times where it's like you'll have stuff to do on the you know little sheet and then you're like we didn't do any of that but you guys progress somehow nonetheless would you yeah. say that like instead of being a dungeon master for a show you're more of a professional dog walker at this point just trying to make sure that we stay on our leashes <laughs> Uh, a little bit. It's more just, it's more improv than it is anything else. Just being able to roll with what you guys do. You know, your choices are the only thing that holds gravity and weight because otherwise the situation would remain, you know, the plot wouldn't change mm. in my head. You know, this is what the ending is going to be if no one does anything. Um, And then how that changes, you know, ebbs and flows, you know. And a lot of it started with, you know, trying to make traveling interesting and making it valuable because one of the things i noticed especially in things like video games is that even when you're going to talk to the king you meet important npcs you find out about other things in the setting that are valuable and in DD, a lot of times we tend to kind of like lose that you know because we want montages we want to get to the point we want to do this thing we want to fight the bad guy but right. a lot of the most valuable things for the character and the party and the group dynamic happen in those little moments, you know? So um, I, I've been working really hard to make sure that you guys get a chance to kind of delve into who these characters are and why they're doing the things they're doing. I missed the gnome lady already. Oh, man, what was her <laughs> What was her name? The gnome lady in which, which gnome lady? The I play Wizard's so many Tower. NPCs. Uh, in the okay. Wizard's Tower? Uh, the in the bar. Tower of the Arcane Brotherhood? Uh, at, in oh! oh, oh my God, that was like session right. three, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, yeah, because you were like, kind of like you know any gnome tinkers? She's like, what? Just because I'm a gnome? <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, you've brought brought a lot of memorable characters or memorable characters along the way. Where it's just out of the blue. Where yeah, uh, Never Ember, sure, you know, Lord Neverwinter. Uh, but then it's like, oh man, the the gnome. Oh, but she was so lovely. Yeah, and uh, Algira, sure. my yeah. rejected love. <laughs> Not yet. She's just been weird about you making advances. No, no overt rejections. But you know, if that just does happen, just because I'm a changeling no. pretending to be ten years older than I really am, and I'm basically <laughs> three kids in a trench coat at this point. <laughs> little rascals. Yeah, but D and D is great. It's uh, it's not as stressful as it used to be. Dungeon mastering has become an absolute joy. The more I do it, so yeah. 
And I'm happy to find out that our guests like Dungeons and Dragons and or tabletop RPGs in general. Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah. That is a great, great bonding thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, Sam for sure. is a, Sam's quite the dungeon master. Yeah? I've, I've been... Uh, I started playing D&D when I was about 10 years old. Uh, my parents oh. met over D&D, and so my first... My first like version was 1.0. Oh, we're like, oh, that's so cute. Oh man, like 1.0 was. It's weird. It's weird. Like, <laughs> like where not, a wizard could like, step on a rock and die, right? You know. One yeah, but like points. <laughs> non-human characters had level caps that were lower. Yeah, only yeah. humans yeah. could get to 20th level. What the heck? Yeah, I really? know. Like, a, they've a done a lot of fire. Like, could only go up to like level eight. No, not a fighter, just a dwarf. You could oh, be yeah. a dwarf, or you, you could, could be, be a elf. dwarf, or you could be an elf, and then you could be like a human fighter. <laughs> like dwarf and elf were classes. It, they weren't fu- races. That's interesting. It's funny for Nick and I specifically in this case. Like, uh, you know, we have only known five e. Four e seems like retro, and then uh, three point five <laughs> is essentially like the Shadowlands and the Lion King. It's like we never go. Three point five is vintage. It's like. It's, you know, it's, you go to your, uh, uh, I don't know, your local <laughs> antique bookstore, and then there's just a cupboard in the back that has a lock in it with glass windows, and you just see, like, relics of the past, and there's 3.5. <laughs> it oh comes on God. vinyl and everything. Sam got me into it uh, during 3.5. Or, yeah. okay. Not during 3. Point, I think 4 was out, but our friend group played 3.5 for a while, yeah. and then we moved on to Pathfinder. Yeah. Yeah, three point five and Pathfinder, if I'm not mistaken, are essentially pretty much. Yeah, they're right? they're okay. essentially the same thing. You know? Yeah. And we're finishing up our last Pathfinder game probably ever before we move to five five E, like yeah. within the coming months. Okay. Well, welcome of- to fifth edition. Yeah. I was a part of the D and D next like playtesting. It's one of my favorite things they did with it, is just go, Hey, we want to do a new thing, but we want you guys to like it. So uh we're gonna send you this game for free. Tell us what you think, and we'll change it. <laughs> oh so, man! Wonderful. Yeah, that was how Next was, and then it became Fifth Edition. And then, because uh, since you were around for you know First Edition, then you would recognize the old Unearthed Arcana books are now a um, like a monthly thing where Jeremy Crawford and the team out there they release playtest material that eventually finds its way into new books. Um, so they allow every new facet that comes into the game, aside from like the stories and the modules, the actual mechanics and classes and subclasses are play tested by the community before they're actually released in books. So most nice. <laughs> and speaking of modules, uh, that's actually what I've been looking into this week because uh, it's it's been weird uh, running a homebrew campaign from the get go is my very first thing that I've done as a dungeon master is uh, very difficult. Uh, first off, but it's really rewarding, you know, having, you know, this is your world. This isn't some world from a book. But I then uh, discovered Curse of Strahd, and I'm like, holy shit, I wish I did a module because this is a lot better than what I could have done. And uh, have you guys ever messed with uh, Curse of Strahd, Sam, Alex? No, I don't think I've ever messed with Curse of Strahd. Well, you know Barovia, though, right? Being an OG D&D person, right? Barovia, the demiplane. Uh, I think you're starting to gatekeep. We played mostly (laughs) in 3.5. We played a lot of like uh, just random modules that would string together, usually from necromancer games. Okay. And uh, 
then we when we moved to Pathfinder, we I pick started picking up like the official Pathfinder modules. And uh, right now we're playing through the Curse of the Crimson Throne. Ooh. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that it's, that does sound awesome. It's a it's a real crazy campaign. It's <laughs> it was made especially crazy because my party decided that they were going to do a new form of party that is consisted of only paladins. Ooh. Oh, pally party. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I want to do a bard party so bad. Just have from the tribunal band. <laughs> yeah, they right, they formed on. the tribunal of like three different paladin gods and like it's it's been a long ride and uh two of them have died. Yeah. Um one was heels? cursed. One uh brought on to himself a curse of Tiamat, trying to save one of the paladin's dragon companions. And oh. uh, he just recently, uh, he made a deal with a demon to get them out of the uh, the castle uh, dungeons. And he made a deal with a demon to become an anti-paladin for a limited period and recently just got out of that and has been redeemed in the light of the god of healing and everything. Oh, oh my yeah. god! It sounds like so. Your is is your is your party really more focused on like RP rather than oh, like yeah. being like like d- dungeon junkies? We're yeah. we're stupid though. Okay, like but then no, you'll yeah, love the... you'll love fifth edition because it's so RP focused. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've been I've been reading the books and I'm just like, oh man, I can't wait to jump into this. <laughs> well, and the beauty is you're an experienced DM. Rule zero, like it's just the rule of cool. You know, like whatever goes at the table is just kind of whatever the table communally communally agrees on. Like the actual mechanics can be completely ignored if it doesn't make sense to the group. You know, like. It's it's fifth edition can be whatever you want it to be. So that's yeah, really cool. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm tr- trying to imagine if there was a you know a team of paladins and you know there's like some kind of quest giver that comes up to you and you know he's like oh I need you to save this and do this and everybody's like all right gentlemen ladies uh, pull out your uh, tenants let's make sure everything clears through with each one of us uh, nature <laughs> paladin uh, yeah no trees want to be cut uh, vengeance ooh. Hmm. They want us to beat this bad guy, but he's only the second command. We got to go for the top dog. It's like, uh, <laughs> it, it would just be funny. You know, it's like, all right, you know, our lawyers are going to contact your lawyers. We're going to check all their tenants, make sure the contracts are all fulfilled. Everything looks good. And I, I do like the idea of doing all bards. Uh, Nick shook his head fervently at that idea, though. But uh, <laughs> I mean, bard party. <laughs> Glenn, all you got to do is have like a giant meteor hit the entire Sword Coast and, uh, you know, Final Fantasy XIV this. (laughs) (laughs) From the ashes rose three bards. (laughs) Just give me an axe guitar. Well, all we got to do is make you a a College of Valor, or sorry, College of Swords bard. And then you're basically just a fighter who sometimes makes music or something like that. What I was going to go get is something that I'm very proud of. I've been yeah. very active in trying to restore and take pieces of D&D history. So I have all of the original books. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. And so here's the monster manual and the Ooh, player's handbook. Nice. Yeah, and then this one is the one that is... Pretty sure the book is older than like I am. like a pristine fiend folio. Oh, man. Oh. And then this is... I think this is my favorite find ever. 
Because this is a video game podcast. <laughs> this is a video game podcast. Wait, um, I have the Intellivision Dungeons and Dragons game in the box. In the box? Oh, man. Yeah, we so don't like, have the box it's for got, it. It's got like the, the stickers and the ads and all oh. the things that would go on it with the thing in the box and everything. So, oh, I, uh, so I was awesome. even able to, from the same person, just get a bunch of like original, like old pewter miniatures. Um, some of them are actually lead, I think. So like, oh yeah, <laughs> I love like keeping pieces of that history. So like, I even have the original Unearthed Arcana book out there, but it's a mess. <laughs> One of my players gave it to me. So, oh yeah, I that's awesome. Love the OG, the OG. I want to go to Gary Con. So freaking bad. <laughs> uh, what, is, but, what is Gary Con? Uh, it is uh, a, a tabletop convention that takes place in Gary Gygax's hometown. Oh, okay. oh cool. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're a part of the like the in community, there's a group of like people like Satine Phoenix and Stefan Picorni from uh, uh, Dwarven Forge and some of those guys that'll go play in the basement where it was founded with Luke mm. Gygax. Uh, I don't smokes. well maybe they do. But either way, they play a game with Luke and maybe the, well, one of the other siblings. But um wouldn't you can go and drive by the house the where there? it was made. What's that? Like, uh, wouldn't it be funny if they like they sold the house like twenty years ago, but they uh, they rent out the basement like every year, just like <laughs> I would, but just you know <laughs> a you normal nice conservative Catholic Airbnb. home. And that's like, the D and D hey. mecca, man. <laughs> Airbnb D and D. Yeah. Well, and, uh, Let's just start the business right now. Now yeah. Airbnb D and D. We'll pitch it to Airbnb. Yeah, it's a nice, musty oh basement. Uh, the sound of the <laughs> dice is going to roll great against this table. Wow. Do you hear how ricky it is? Mm. Plus, every 20 minutes, we're going to send Mother down. And Mother's here, you know, meet this nice actor. Uh, and she's going to shout that the dinner's ready. And, you, you know, uh, requirements are, you know, just a few more word. minutes, mom. Just a few more minutes, mom. And, you know. <laughs> If you get too loud, she'll even for a nominal fee of five ninety nine an hour, she'll actually pound her broom against the floor. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, man, I'm sold. <laughs> Deal. Sign me up. Put me so, in, coach. Glenn, you did say something that is very, very true amongst everything, and that is we are in fact a video game podcast. I almost said a D and D podcast because wow, we converted. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, we've all played video games. Glenn, you've been uh, playing some more World of Warcraft, I hope? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, just kind of, like I said, just going through the arms warrior struggle. Apparently the later phases are more rewarding to him, but the original development of the game did not foresee warriors as a damaging class, despite the fact that two of the three trees are damage. <laughs> so all the tiered yeah. gear is just for tanks. And so I'm an arms warrior that gets nothing from raids. I've done it for 10 weeks straight and I've gotten two items that I use. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I mean, it's an unfortunate truth. Uh, the classic World of Warcraft kind of focused yeah. on, you know, specific aspects of each race well, class. Mm -hmm. We've got a druid that came in. He's raided for three weeks. He's got a full tier two set. Like, and I'm just like, like, they're like, oh, we're only taking the most geared people into Blackwing Glare. I'm like, I'm not running Blackrock Depths to get stupid Savage Gladiator Chain or Hand of Justice one more time. I will not do it. I've done them over 100 times and seen neither one time. So, like, I'm ready for the well, next so phase and just hoping that they kind of take me along. Maybe it'll be there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> that phase blood. Holy smokes. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... It's good, though. I'm having fun. The community that I found are the guild is need not greed. And they're pretty great. A bunch of nicer, you know, people. There's uh, they're very 
they cater towards serious and casual players. There's people that play 10 hours a day and other people like me that play a couple days a week. So um, they're good dudes. 10 hours uh, a day. There's yeah, there's there's one guy that are he's Does a that with weekly therapy he, sessions because that's dangerous, <laughs> man. Well, he also like he he I don't know what the guy does. He lives in Van. He's, he's somewhere up in he Canada. lives in Azeroth is what he does. Well, he found a guy that like was streaming. Uh, he was a rogue, and he was streaming just killing people in Ironforge on our server. And he camped his body for twelve hours. Oh my goodness! And then and got the guy to stop streaming, and had found out he had another friend who was doing the same thing. And now he's camping him until he stops streaming. So like. Some of those guys don't have much to do. Now, granted, this guy's a nice guy. He's doing a service by getting rid of a rogue who's killing randos in Ironforge. But, like, he, he plays World of Warcraft. Now so they're all getting into Minecraft, but when Blackwing Lair comes out, they'll come back. He's the equivalent so. of, like, the anti-hero of RuneScape known as a PKKer. <laughs> oh, player killer killer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, that he's the dead of our world. <laughs> True. Yeah. And thus the uh, stereotype of... Uh, uh, Dorito dust uh, coated fingers, d- Mountain Dew <laughs> drinking neckbeard gamers have uh, resurrected. This is the guy in Make Love Not Warcraft. Episode oh my of South gosh. <laughs> that episode. The first episode of South Park I've actually ever watched because it was. What? Yeah, it was. For some reason, that one episode was free on the Xbox 360 that I could download that. Just the one episode for oh, some reason. And I've so never man. watched. Like, I just got the Xbox 360 uh, that year, and I, d- I couldn't afford any games or stuff, so I downloaded anything that's free, including that one episode. And at that point, <laughs> I don't even think I had played World of Warcraft. I just thought it was funny because, you know, there was that guy. <laughs> Little did I know, three years later, hey, guess what? I, I wasn't that guy. Please, no. Uh, anyways, uh, you've been playing a different game alongside that. Yes, oh, a game that I have found that I am just kind of in a love-hate relationship. Oh, There's no. only very small parts that I hate, and most 95% of it, I just absolutely love it. It's like it's like a combination. It's it's a game called Journey to the Savage Planet, Thank and you. it is a combination of Mist, No Man's Sky, Breath of the Wild, and Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Well, the what the combination? Now? Yeah. yeah. Eric Awesome Show? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. They uh, kind of send over. It, it's I, I'll give you a quick rundown. You work for this company called Kindred Aerospace, who is a, one of the companies they advertise themselves as the fourth best aerospace company. Um, and you kind of get the feel that Earth is on its last legs and they're trying to expand into habitable, you know, biomes on different planets. And they sent okay. you to. All of these different planets, there's not supposed to be any intelligent life there. The first thing you see is a giant, very, very intelligent life-made tower. And so you got to categorize life information as you progress as an explorer. You get access to upgrades because there's a 3D printer on your ship. You have to repair your ship, make your new upgrades, kind of explore the mystery of what's going on with this tower. Um, It's a lot of fun. The mechanics are really good. The art style is uh, very interesting. <laughs> Sometimes it's hella goofy. And so you'll get ads periodically from, you know, the space waves because it takes a while for ads to show up. And that's where the, the art style. Yeah, the art style. I watched it a little bit. The art style is kind of like um, no, uh, no Man's Sky meets uh-huh. acid. Yeah. Yeah. It's acid. And oh, then you okay. do. I yeah. showed you some of the ad. The ads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's like there's a, instead of having sea monkeys in a little container, it's 
you grow tiny intelligent life forms and put them into a mini mall and then oh, watch oh, them live what? and you can like push the black friday button and they start killing each other over these are not things you can these are not things you can do in the game this is just or a video can, in the game that you could watch yeah Being, like, for an ad for this yeah. place that you know this world for this universe yeah time in the future yeah it's very interesting That's, uh i will definitely not spoil anything i was a little sad because the ads and i think there may be something i'm missing because there's a co-op version of the game because <laughs> you need to refuel your ship to try and get off the planet and that's not a spoiler as soon as you land you'll find that out if you play the game um but like in the in the ads for the game it showed them getting to another planet and doing other things and i was like oh i'm gonna do more things i'm so excited about all this nice new equipment and then it's like you do this thing and it's just like the game's over and i was like but i want more <laughs> so that, you know that's about as bad as I can say sometimes the mechanics are funky but that may be me transitioning as a primarily console player to mouse and keyboard just trying to figure things out yeah like mm. one of the first things I couldn't figure out how to activate my scanner I was like I don't know what button that is it was just like some arrows you know and I was like and Nick was like that's a, that's the tab button and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, thank you Nick uh, I did get to watch you uh, fight a, a boss. The uh, I believe it was called the Matriarch. That was a cool looking boss. Oh yeah, mm hmm. That was she was a she was an interesting one. Yeah, she was. Uh, <laughs> holy smokes, uh, Nick, Nick. Uh, Hi. You, you uh, you're playing a new game called uh, Destiny Two. Yeah. Um, when did it's this brand come out? new. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. I just it, uh, I've been scrolling through Steam, and it was uh, no, it was free to play. Maybe free it's in beta. Play? Most likely, then free to play. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I I heard it was in beta because it's missing all God, sorts of fucking things. Damn it, Destiny. Um, <laughs> no, they're doing they're doing seasons. Um, uh, they've been doing that for a while now, and then what they've introduced since last season, which ended in December, and the new season started around then as well, um, is uh, season exclusive exotics. They're not hard to get, oh, but no. then that yeah. upsets me because it upsets me because I'm a collector, especially when it comes to exotics, and that's the only reason I feel obligated to play because that collection part of me is carried over from Destiny One, um, and I'm like, fuck! All right, so I picked it. Like you, I logged you miss in. Out. You're screwed. Yeah, no, I hate it. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but um, because I hadn't touched it like everybody else since the start of December. I actually had a ton of fun playing through all of like the new stuff, like the seasonal activities. Um, yeah, no, just doing like the normal stuff. Uh, it has its issues. There's a new community effort going where you have to collect a certain amount of like material that drops from certain activities. Um, the first, uh, it, there's seven stages and it's on for three weeks or something. The first stage is you have to donate, what was it, 400,000? No. No, 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 four million or so, four hundred thousand. Let's say four hundred thousand. Second stage was seven hundred thousand. Then it was one point two million. Then it was two point two. And then there's seven stages. So they did the math, and it looks like it might be about seven point seven. Um, and we're already at stage three, and it only started on Tuesday. So, like, the community does good during times like this. Um, and it's going to unlock something for us, I guess. I don't know. I'm just going to do my part and like I contributed, get my emblem, and then like, all right, cool. Um, no. But beyond that, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Uh, Fort Final Fantasy XIV is doing kind of something like that, where they're rebuilding uh, the firmament. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
yeah, just like a large scale like community thing for everybody to contribute and feel like they did their part and uh, get some sort of, some sort of uh, visual reward. At least that's how it is on Destiny. Yeah, that's, um, that's, those are really fun. Um, yeah, actually, it, like it ended up being fun. But again, very important for me to state that because I haven't touched the content since December, and everybody else has been like hardcore grinding it, and everybody's a little burnt out. But I'm like, hey, what's up, guys? I heard there's some new stuff here. And I was like, yes, there's some uh, activities there. There are things you can do there. <laughs> um, but beyond that, like uh, in the group, I tend to be the uh, the uh, FPS person here, and so I bit the uh, yeah. Of course, I warlock. Um, yeah. Warlock's the best class. Uh, but we're not going to get into f- enough of Destiny. I, I don't. <laughs> um, I bit the I bit the hype bug, and I bought Escape from Tarkov. Nice. Mm. I think kind of not really. I'm not a big fan of it. But are you? I don't know yet. I can tell you it's fun with friends because Escape from Tarkov is not my playstyle usually. Um so Escape from Tarkov is a large scale PvEVP. So there's AI players and there's uh you know uh normal human players um and it's about looting, surviving and then getting out essentially but it's a very complicated with all the button um the key binds and like just the loot system and the amount so of things there are in the combinations no 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 it's like PUBG <laughs> with uh, marketplace right no 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 this is like uh the closest comparison i received was daisy mm. um uh, yeah, my, my so light bulb still stays off i'm sorry the, the, so like you could game, like right? PUBG is a good comparison in terms of I think so Daisy's I think Daisy's a zombie game but PUBG is a good comparison for like how it looks and how it kind of plays it's a little bit more uh, made to be realistic um, uh, but there's like um, like each there's like at least two or three dozen weapons each weapon has uh, can go from four to like 12 mod slots each and they can all take various combinations and then there's a global marketplace where you could put things up for trade a gts if you will. no 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 no. what's the fucking thing in runescape uh uh the grand exchange yes the grand yeah exchange. the grand exchange yeah that's what it's like oh man um, now you're talking about runescape it's starting <laughs> to get me the but uh, I've been playing with some friends and they've been taking me through it, kind of showing me the ropes. And I say it's not my style because it's very slow paced. Like mm. you can play it aggressive, but then you're going to get punished if you're not good. Um, right. Because regardless of whether you have the best armor in the game, one shot can take you out if they find the right gap or the right angle on you. Right. It's a really so, slow paced game in terms of like building up. Because Yeah. I mean, and that's not me. I know it's not you. That's not me. I get bored. I get antsy. I get itchy. I get like, I need to like do something. So that's why I like playing with people because I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just tell me what to do. I'm just going to sit here and not do anything until you tell me what to do. And so that's what I've been doing. And it's been fun. Sounds like me and my relationship with Amanda. (laughs) Tell me what to do in this marriage. I'm not (laughs) doing anything until you tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm just kidding for anybody that's listening, including my wife. I love you. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> and uh you mentioned it earlier sam i believe uh well i believe alex uh you brought it up but sam uh you've been playing some final fantasy 14 yes i've i've been playing 14 predominantly lately i've been playing it since a little after realm of born came out so i'm i'm an early convert but uh it was definitely it's definitely a, a fantastic game that i love and it was that game that got me into tanking and MMOs. And nice. like, it was really scary when I first started it. Cause like my, 
my perception of tanks are like this ethereal class that people play if they want to be like the ultimate cool dudes on the server. Hell yeah. And because like I, I just remember tanks of like uh, protection warriors from early World of Warcraft, and that was oh, it. Yeah. But you that played was the, only, the only people allowed to tank. <laughs> you played a vanilla Pally, though. Yeah, I, I did play a vanilla Pally. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. I, that, that, that's was, a dangerous game. A lot of people uh, didn't respect that. No, no. <laughs> Paladins got no respect. Uh, were we you were... Red or, pa- or Red or Holy? Oh, I was a Holy Paladin. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So, like, I, I was. Consecration or consecration. Yeah. Now. I was meh at healing. I was meh at damage. I was. But, like, I had the best buffs in the game, though. So. Kings is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gales with everything, baby. But, yeah. Um, I've been playing 14. I love it. That's. Um, very big, lot of things to do. What do you but, usually main as? Well, I usually main as the Dark Knight, which plays. Nice. It's a great sword wielding class. And they oh, yeah. use a whole lot of uh, um, damage reduction and a whole lot of uh, magical damage reduction, and they're one of the most survivable tanks in the game. Right, and, and she plays a Rogadin. Oh yes, <laughs> I play a max height female character with. Just gotta be that buff lady. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> and I'm a oh, Lollafell. Nick yes. approved. Alex plays Hobbits. A, Alex plays a, plays a tiny little Lollafell, like the size of gnomes. Yeah, we got married oh, in the game. Is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there any in-game benefits for that? Because I've never played Family Fantasy. There are so. actually. I believe, what, you get a special space? ring where you can teleport to your spouse anywhere in the world. Oh, Whoa, that's actually that's kind of tight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a great benefit to have, actually. The ceremony's pretty great, too. Yeah, the ceremony's pretty fun, too. Wish there was, like, yeah. a and d item for that. I guess uh, you can just hope for that. Oh! No, the ceremony spell. There's a ceremony spell that grants you magical benefits when you get married <laughs> for, like, oh. a week. I think you get, like, some nice benefits. Brom's gonna get That's married cool. for the big yeah. bad boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brom is my character in uh, Tyler's campaign, his homebrew campaign. So I, I know, is this about to be forced on me? No, uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I just know. <laughs> no, I think between anybody, it would be the palette. It's like I get extra benefits each day. <laughs> <laughs> start, you know, well, starts that's... looking at the. No, I guess he isn't a goblin monk anymore, is he? Uh, uh. So you've been playing Final Fantasy 14. Uh, you get a. Uh, I'm fine as the Dark Knight. Are you playing it on uh, PC, PS4? What do you? Uh, what platform are you going for? Well, I um, I started playing it on the PC, but uh, as as the years went by, I'm I'm 30, and uh, I started to develop some like arthritis in my hands, hmm. and so like I couldn't get to like all the keys on my keyboard fast enough anymore for in-game stuff. Yep. And I, so I, I, I took a break and I eventually came back and essentially relearned how to play the game on a console, which I've been messing with a little bit. But now I play exclusively on PS4 because it's a lot easier for me. It's funny you should say that. You have the pro that. or the, the vanilla base? We have, we actually have two PS4s. And I we, set aside money for the Kingdom Hearts one like six years in advance. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yes. So we uh, we got the special Kingdom Hearts PS4 Pro, and we got nice. the we actually have the Destiny uh, the Taken King PS4. Wait, is that the the white one with the gold stuff on it? Yeah, yeah. you bet. That's what I had. Is. I had that, oh, but it, it was haunted, so I got rid of it. Yes. Yeah, we we got that Destiny PS4 simply because it's so pretty. It's that was the best time in Destiny history. Change my mind. 
I will. Season Pass didn't exist, and I paid $250 for content that somebody else got for $30 three months later. I was mad. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> oh, damn. Jeez. Uh, that was... That was a, sh <laughs> I, a shade thrower was, right there. Just I'm sorry. I was very jaded. I had to step away, and I stepped away from the game until it was free to play as Destiny 2 again. And I really enjoyed the game. I think the mechanics are good. I just think that they got too corporate-y and decided to cater to stockholders instead of the fans of the game. Yeah. Mm. I for a while. <laughs> I'm a really big uh, old Bungie fan. Like I'm I love Marathon and Pathways into Darkness and like just all their old stuff and including mm. Halo and I uh oh, yeah. I I was I liked Destiny one, but not as much as I could have. That's fair. Well yeah. on the dev side, if you know that you know what the, the the uppers did to them right before like a year before release, they were like, nah, scrap it, do this, don't do this. Oh. And they were like, uh, okay, which is why the game ended up coming out so incomplete. They just didn't have mm. time to finish it because they told them to scrap everything. Like, that sounds like some apology or a bunch of apologist bullcrap. I don't know. That's oh, just crap. what I, I hear. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I was just... don't know what it takes to make a game, you know, and so they just <laughs> ask for things to be And done, that was even more like... true for Destiny 2. Yeah. Um, Let's because say, uh, I didn't hear about following all the shots because they were bankrolling the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's why we're never gonna sell stock as Squidlet Inc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remain private, big brain. For the fan. Yeah. Gamers for gamers, wonderful. It's, Alex, it may uh, be a little more expensive down the line, but it'll definitely be worth it. Yeah. I mean, you could technically. We just do talked one. about that a couple weeks ago. I'm willing to pay more money for a game that doesn't have to be supported by a big company that's gonna make decisions that the fans won't like. You know, like I would much yeah. rather support small small devs than you know personally. <laughs> But I was going to say, uh, you could do what I believe it's the uh, Green Bay Packers route where you can buy shares in them, but you actually can't profit off of them. It's still $250 regardless. You don't have any actual say. You can't profit. And uh, I believe they're not tradable. You just say, hey, you know, kind of like uh, essentially a $250 commemorative uh, Squidlet coin. You wanted to go that route. Oh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, each his own. Alex, you've been playing Yokai Watch. Yes, I have been playing Yokai Watch. I um I found it at like a five dollar store. It's like a dollar store, but it's five dollars. Five or not five uh five below. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. One opened up uh, in our town recently, and I went and checked it out. I was like, I thought it was like a cold clothing store, but um, no, it's it's like a five dollar <laughs> store. <laughs> no, it's a pretty good store. And uh, the they had a three. The only like game they had there was Yokai Watch, and I was like, you know what? Sure, and I love it to death. I um, I don't think I like it as much as Pokemon X and Y, which I think it was it was a direct competitor for. But like, right. it definitely has its own thing going on, and I I like its general vibe more. I'm really surprised. Like, it's just the music's really nice. I like the small scale storytelling and episodic mm. nature. It's, yeah, it looks like it plays like you're playing an actual like uh t television series yeah it's very low-key as well it's so weird because uh yokai watch got if i understand this correctly a lot of traction over in japan but when it came over here it just i think the population so dominated by pokemon that it was hard to breach that in fact it's kind of surprising that the uh the game temtem was able to do as well as it did but yeah but, uh, yeah yeah but uh yokai watch uh are you playing that on the 3ds i am okay uh, you feel like if it came out for the Nintendo Switch, you'd uh, you'd buy a version of that instead? Um, 
I usually try to play games on the original console that came out on. Okay. So like, but if if I didn't usually try to ascribe to that that rule, I I probably I, I'd play it on the Switch. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of Yokai Watch games. So how many do, uh, is there? Do you have any idea? Uh, there's three that came to America. I didn't know there was a, but uh, there it apparently came out. Um, 2017 was it? Holy smokes! Has it yeah. been that recent? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the wow. third one. Uh, so if uh, let's say a fourth one came out for the Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo Switch, would you jump on that, or do you feel like uh, maybe hold off on that? I'd research to see if it's episodic and I need to play the other ones. But yeah, if I had played the other ones, yeah, I'd jump. okay, good deal. Uh, <laughs> over on my end, I uh, actually got to play a little bit of Warcraft Three Reforged. A lot of people have been. Uh, dunking the shit out of it for the a lack of better way of describing that and uh it was almost kind of discouraging because uh like i didn't realize how badly people were crapping on it like i, I got a, like a little warning cue from nick and i told nick the shush uh you know I'll, I'll be my own judge but before i could even get to the game i unfortunately kept seeing lots and lots of hate for this game and it, it was very discouraging to even start it apparently a lot of people were like We've waited, you know, 10,000 years for this game to be remastered. And, you know, <laughs> let's not mention the fact it's only $30. You know, the, the graphics, they're terrible. The cutscenes are god-awful. And it's like, I played it. It's an upgraded version of Warcraft 3. Had a good time. So it's well, like, I mean, it is it is a remaster, right? Yeah. I don't know what they're expecting. But also, I, I haven't looked into it too much. I just knew people were mad, mad. And, um... Especially because when people tried to initially, they tried to get a refund, they couldn't. Like they just weren't yeah. allowed to get a get a refund. And now uh, Blizzard has changed it to the point where um, you just have to like hit a button, and it's just automatically all processed for you, and you're, you're good to go. Kind of because um, people are just flooding customer support with like, I'm oh, I'm mad. This game's not what I thought it was gonna. Just just give me my money back. And then I like, watched. Oh, where's my mobile? Um, well, I told I told. When I was streaming the other day, I told Apple Hoof that I wanted to play it because uh, a couple of my friends had kind of jumped on that train. Um, it's a $30 game. You know, I figure why, you know, I've never played one of those games before. And he was like, actually, here, let me send you this thing. And it was an hour and a half long video that I actually ended up watching because, you know, I like to make sure that I'm up with the times as far as what developers are doing and why they're doing them and how fans are reacting mm. to it. Right. Um, and it was okay, less boomer. that <laughs> it was less that the that the graphics weren't good. It's just that the things that they did to the game are not what they said they would. It wasn't what, as promised. Like, the cinematic reveal uh, that they... Re I don't remember. I think it was E3 or something that okay. came out. Like, BlizzCon. If you watch the th BlizzCon that they watched, that they that yeah. they sent as for the marketing, was s like a thousand times better than what actually ended up coming out in the product. Um, on top of the fact that the issue for most people is that they... You know, with a rem with remaster as that you know happens, they they just want to see improved graphics usually. But like, there's changes to core mechanics that some of the OG fans are really pissed about because of the fact that if you even had the original game, now the new mechanics are implemented and there's no way to go back. So they if they don't like it, they're just screwed. You know, they can't. The game that they really love, they're gonna end up having to like create servers or like you know how Dota came uh, from this as kind of but now blizzard is trying to keep that from happening again so they're they're they, within the terms and an agreement they are now copywriting anything anybody does mods, with the content from their game so that any mods are their property now so like yeah. 
it's one of those that things was, where like yeah that was the only thing that that struck me as problematic um mm-hmm. because i don't know like that that was the magic of games like uh like that or like any game that can be modded um it allows uh people to show off what they can do and their creativity it's not like uh, whether it's making the game better or just reimagining the game you're still gonna have to buy the game to be able to do that but then here role play is a good example of that yeah and here blizzard's like hmm this happened in the past and dota came about and that's like a huge game now so we should just copyright everything that anybody ever makes so if anything comes out we can make money off it Mm -hmm. which i can understand that logic from like if you just lay it out sure but it stifles it stifles yeah stifles the creativity of gamers and like you this allows people to do what they want to do express themselves and hopefully get a job by making a game that they want to make because they've been provided awesome tools by you know what used to be a great company Mm -hmm. and that's yeah exactly and that's what they're saying is when this like like a lot of them the oh my gosh words are hard right now um, a lot of the issues for a lot of people is they said that, you know, with this remastering, reimagining, um, they felt like a group of dedicated modders with the amount of time and resources that they had could have done a better job. You know, it's and it's not necessarily that the actual developers themselves are not good developers of games. It's that, once again, the big wigs at the top are making calls based on money and they don't really understand their market base. And they're just telling these talented developers what to do when that may not actually be what the community wants around it. And, and so that's worked out every time, right? Yeah, right. Totally. You know, just I, I don't know. It just at some point you wish that these bigger companies would kind of learn because eventually they're just going to alienate their bases so much that they're going to lose out on future revenue with this. Just start listening to the people that care about the products you're making and you will be more successful in the future, you know, because they care. That's not a bad thing. You know, you get certain hyped. voices you have to block out, but like you're not listening at all. <laughs> you get hyped for Warcraft 3 Reforged, but what you get is Warcraft 3 Refunded. Refunded. I've seen that <laughs> logo that they made. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that is it's such a sad thing. But as somebody who never, you know, I honestly never looked at the ads or anything. I had to do the same thing with like uh, Kingdom Hearts or Death Stranding and all that, because uh, I feel like, uh, especially with Kojima, bless him. They really love giving you as much information as possible. With Kojima, it's nonsensical for the most part because he hands <laughs> you like, you know, 15 pieces that, you know, look amazing, but it's a 5,000 piece puzzle. So it's like, what the hell is going on? But <laughs> I just wanted the, you know, I like Warcraft those. 3. What's up? <laughs> I like those. That's wonderful. So since I didn't hear anything about Warcraft 3 Reforged and I went in fresh, uh, it looked improved. I was enjoying it. I still am. Uh, but there's so much hate that's coming from this game. And shocker, it's, you know, it's the Blizzard fan base. So, I mean, what else did I expect? Uh, but unfortunately, uh, some people aren't enjoying it. It's, in, it's I think it's discouraging friends and other players from buying it. And obviously one of the most important aspects of Warcraft 3 was the ability to have multiplayer games with other friends and whatnot. So my choice is essentially do the campaign and be done with it. Or play with a bunch of people that are probably, you know, becoming tryhards as we speak and plotting my doom anytime I try to join a map with them. And so, <laughs> you know, kind of burnt me a little bit. And the, the sucky part is, I have no idea if I should be upset at Blizzard. Should I be upset at Activision? Should I be upset at the fan base? It's like, it's, it's you know, a little bit in each direction. And mm. it's, it's tough. But, uh, yeah, 
Warcraft 3 Reforged uh, in a nutshell. Also played a little bit uh, over the past couple of nights of uh, Ocarina of Time Randomizer once again. I'm, uh, I'm back to the, that old ship. Uh, was I doing a randomizer when you were here, Glenn? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, there people love Ocarina of Time. Uh, people love yeah. Link to the Past and all that. And some people play it so much that it starts to get a little bored. So what better way to, you know, fix that than, you know, play a new game? Hell no. They just randomize every single item in the chest instead and uh, make you travel across the world and try to find every chest uh, so you can progress with the game. And uh, add an extra layer on top of that, we were playing what is called uh, multi-world. I was playing it with uh, Brandon, where essentially if you open a chest, uh, you know, I might open a chest over in the first dungeon, the Deku Tree, and all of a sudden I get the Megaton Hammer. Like, what the? I have no use awesome. for this. But the Megaton Hammer is actually Brandon's Megaton Hammer. So I gave him a Megaton Hammer. So him and I are playing different versions of the same world where we open up chests trying to give each other items so we can continue progressing. Oh, that sounds cool. So Yeah, because like, um, randomizers are set up to be like puzzles, essentially. When yeah, you're not doing a multi-world. Yeah, when you're not doing a multi-world, where it's just you playing a randomizer, it's all set up in a way where you can complete the game. You just have to figure out the puzzle. But with the multi-world, it's like a whole other layer added on top because now it's the items from both games mixed into each other and it's just one I'm depending on Brandon to be just as good of a randomizer player as I am. And uh, (sighs) we did pretty good. He got the boomerang where I got the slingshot. But the problem is, though, since neither of us got the ocarina, he couldn't access uh, Zora's domain. But I was able to, uh, once I got bombs, able to do the uh, first two child dungeons, which was great. Uh, We hit a point though that led to a problem and i think we found the source of it because uh basically there's a bunch of websites where you can like check off yeah i did this grotto yes i opened up this chest because it can be any chest not just a a chest that you find at the end of the puzzle because there's so many grottles grottos in ocarina of time that sometimes you don't even know or notice and like uh buying from those deku shrubs also can give you a random item so there's a lot of uh nooks and crannies to get a check like, there's a lot of chests that I've never noticed a day in my life in the Deku tree, the tree that you've gone through so many times easily, because usually it's like, compass, map, slingshot, you're good to go. But it's like, well, actually, there's that one chest at the very bottom that gives you a single heart for some reason. There's a chest that's uh, hidden up to the, the left of uh, the compass. There's a chest hidden up to the left of, uh, not the compass, uh, the map. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm digressing. Uh, we hit a point to where we did all the checkpoints, we didn't get a new item that allowed us to continue. And we got really nervous because there's only one last thing that we could think of that we need to do in order to give each other an item, or get our own items, and that is Golden Sculptulas. Because, oh, no. uh, and so, him and I, we usually set it up to where it's like, uh, the maximum Sculptulas you need in a uh, playthrough for something like this is 10. 20 if we're feeling, you know, a little dangerous. But uh, he forgot to tick that, and so it can go up to 50. And so him and I are going to have a, a little talk about, you know, where all the golden sculptures that we can access this early in the game and try to get to the 20 and see if that can give us some progress because I don't want to do 50 sculptures before I even get the Master Sword because uh, that's scary. That's scary, yeah. yo. <laughs> and uh, we were hoping just in case maybe check the spoiler log just to make sure we're on the right track. We didn't accidentally miss something, but uh, we actually didn't uh, 
make a spoiler log, so this is going to be as much uh, troubleshooting as one could possibly ask for, but we're having a good time. It was fun uh, getting a kick out of it. Uh, it's been a little bit of a weird process because you got to use certain programs to link each other over <laughs> the internet and all that, and if you do like a weird action or if you let, you know, look at the corner the wrong way, some reason it'll just randomly disconnect you, and that's mm -hmm. a little frustrating. Mm -hmm. I, uh, it's just been really uh, weird about it. Plus, uh, in this version of the uh, emulator and all that that we're using, uh, loading save states because I'm not going to be able to do the slingshot uh, challenge at Castletown perfectly every single time, and I don't want to be a broke son of a gun. Uh, that will randomly lock up the game. So it's like a Russian roulette whether or not we want to use save states or not, or we got to start the entire emulator over. And, you know, much as I love running from Link's house all the way back to Castletown every single time, uh, that, that's a di you know, that's uh sorry not a dice a deal breaker for me. It's like ugh. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're having fun. Uh, we both uh, beat the first two dungeons. He should well no, he needs the ocarina to be able to access Jabu Jabu, and uh, I need a boomerang in the first place anyway. So we're both just trying to get ocarinas, and at that point, it's either we finish the child dungeons or we uh, we progress as an adult and see what chaos we can continue. But until then. The Golden Sculptulas elude us. But that's enough about me. I think the focus should be turning onto the guests of the show. Yeah. Alex, Sam, you guys are video gamers first and foremost, but you're also the developers of Squidlet. Yes. Yes, indeed. Ow. That is a game. Yep. It certainly is a game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would you say that's one of your biggest accomplishments as, uh, you know, uh, I guess your career, technically? Hmm? Um, we were creaking our chairs around. What was the first couple words of that sentence? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was asking if you uh, felt like Squidlet was probably one of your bigger uh, accomplishments. Oh, oh probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, uh, it's amazing because... And I totally understand this. Uh, the final product sometimes, it's like, it looks great from the front when you're sitting in the theater seat, but from, you know, in the background, it's like, oh God, please let the coding of this work. Oh God, please let this <laughs> yeah, work here. Yeah. It's like, if not, it's like, oh man, I got to recompile everything after just moving something over a little bit. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. When you finally the, get all those pieces working together. The Grim, uh, the, the book boss, Grimoire. Yeah, is, people is seem the, to like that one, and I'm glad because trouble oh, man. Uh, it's like 16 maybe 18 separate objects that are just like kind of woven together and if any one of them goes wrong then then it's a massive hiccup and then the whole game just the whole crushes it just on itself. Yeah. yeah so how was the the process of learning the design squid look um well <laughs> well um i started it uh while sam was in college mm -hmm. and um I didn't know how to code, and I didn't know how to draw, and I'd never really made music before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and man. So, we have so much in common suddenly. Scratch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just com point of complete inexperience. And so that's part of the reason the game that's 30 minutes long took a year is because, you know... Learning everything as you go. Six months in, you look back at the work that you did at the beginning, and you're like, I need to do this again. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Yep. Yep. I uh, I totally well, understand. Well trained that. eyes at that point. Yeah. So it took you a year to uh, have it completed, then, or did yeah. it take 
Holy smokes. Uh, and That's actually really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, learning <laughs> completely from scratch and everything to getting a fully completed game. Especially uh, yeah. with your, your goals of innovation with making it a, a Game Boy-esque game. Yeah, I am. Um, the the Game Boy, like choosing it to be Game Boy was more of, I think in the beginning, more of a choice to like maybe make it seem a little easier to tackle. A, right. a little bit of that. Uh, just constraints are good for creativity. And so just what's more constraining than the Game Boy? <laughs> <laughs> right. Make it work on like a base case that's as simple as possible and then build up if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So was uh, the Game Boy aesthetic the reason why, uh, like uh, that? It was because of that you set that because you wanted to put constraints on yourself to make sure you know you have like a, a goal to not limit your uh, creativity per se, but uh, give you like a goalpost to reach for. Versus like yeah, I mean, where to stop. like if you have infinite space to go out and do things, then you'll never. I mean, if there's an infinite amount out there you'll never track down any one thing and then see it through to the end yeah. if that makes sense like no, it, right there needs to be a marker there needs to be a milestone for you to kind of yeah focus a little bit yeah um i'm just curious as to uh, what language do, uh, do these games run on usually um we use the game maker engine yeah which okay. uses its own uh language called gml okay it's, uh that's we hear from our crazy. coder friend that it's pretty uh pretty low down there. Yeah, it's it's a, it's as it's as basic of a language as you can find nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It doesn't do much to help you out. No. <laughs> but the the engine itself does. Um like you can you can middle click any uh function and, and it'll bring up like essentially the a wiki style page on it. And it tells yes. you like exactly how the function works and everything you can do with it. Good. That's okay. that's what made it has made it so like able to be done. Yeah, like there's a version of it that's woefully like non-existent, pretty much. But that's uh kind of messed around in Unity, but um, mm -hmm. 2D in Unity was at least at the time was not something I wanted to deal with. I just wanted an engine that worked oh, that with 2D. And um, so Game Maker was the only one that worked with 2D and had uh, the number of features that I needed it to have. Right. Um, I only ask because I started my university degree in comp sci, yeah, computer science. So, um, oh, cool. I was just wondering um, what would be the starting point for people who wanted to get into like making games just, just very basic, but didn't really understand code. Because if you don't understand code and all of a sudden you start pulling in libraries or references or you like go out to Stack Overflow, it's just... It's just numbers and letters and brackets and colons and semicolons and you're like all right cool i understand everything now no you don't um so <laughs> uh that's good i like i'm glad that there is even though it might be a basic or a simpler software that helps with uh understanding what each function does and how like things work together that's awesome yeah and yeah. highly recommend gml because it's so well documented yeah. in the engine nice the the game maker studio engines are are like i extremely heavily recommend it to someone who wants to think about being a game designer because since okay. it's so well documented and they have tutorials by made by the in, the people who made the engine that helps you get a grasp on the basics of like programming and game design and like how to think things through in a programming mindset to get this creature or whatever to do what you want it to do yeah mm -hmm. and it's also a uh, 70 bucks and they don't take a cut of your profit 
unlike yes, Unity and Unreal. That's that's another wow. great thing about it. That's Flat-y. actually uh, very nice. Yeah, that's, that's super just, nice. Just a nice flat fee. The Switch version was uh, significantly more expensive. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was eight hundred dollars. So yeah, that's. Oof. that's yeah. And, and we'll have to we'll have to uh, pay that every year. But that's yeah. But like that's that's understandable because there's a lot of complicated stuff that goes into right. putting a game on the Switch. And they're that's, keeping it active and available in their library and all that stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, and they're all, that's also that very is. well documented. Uh, it's something that I, Nick and I noticed uh, almost immediately once we started the game up was uh, the music, which I'm Ooh. assuming is like a completely different uh, accomplishment on its own. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming one of you two uh, decided to get really into uh, learning how to make chiptune. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I got uh actually my uh i have a friend named caleb and his father runs an art museum here in town and he had a lsdj cartridge and uh i borrowed it from him and wrote the the theme for blipston on it and um uh from there i eventually bought my own cart and transcribed it over to there and tidied it up and stuff and uh yeah um every uh all, all everything was made on that lsdj cartridge and um like each uh instrument was recorded individually and so like there's technically like the computer thinks there's three songs playing at once yeah um wow yeah <laughs> okay and uh okay. i'll cut them in and out just so that uh so that sound effects can uh can play properly like a game boy <laughs> so it'll turn off one of the musics like play an explosion and then turn that music back on that's holy smokes <laughs> i i <laughs> I didn't even notice that or, you know, like realize that or have that put together. That's, that's crazy. And, uh, how long do you say, or how, how long do you think it took for you to make your first song on, uh, the LST? Oh God. Um, the first one took a long time, but after that, it got a little faster. Um, right. Growing pains. Like you figured out like, all right, this is what this does. This is what this does. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do um, either of you have any like musical background prior to this, just in general, playing instruments or such? Um, Sam played the tuba. Oh yeah, um, I, I played tuba man. Just this, I just played this uh, whole mishmash of instruments growing up, and uh, I ended up sticking with tuba the longest. Okay, so no, Alex. but just in general, no like musical training, no like musical no. background, and uh, then you came out with the. That awesome banger of a track from Squid Squad's Castle. Nick, you un- underestimate the brass section, okay? Alex actually not- uh, has some training in music. I uh, played violin all through um, late middle school through the end of high school, and I went to a Savannah Arts Academy, which is an okay. art school, uh, and my major was violin. Wow. Okay, so understanding of music theory helps then. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we'll fight you. <laughs> The, the moment was, you try to disconnect, really hey, I was gonna say it's like, well, I uh, I played uh, baritone and tuba back in the the day, so it's like you know when he said tuba, I'm like my man, yeah. And then Nick's like, well, so you didn't have any actual musical experience? I'm like, well, listen, no, here, that's not what I'm saying. We're talking about musical composition. It's very different from playing, true, in general. True. But yeah. you know, the, it's a good baseline for sure. Yeah. I took a music comp class in high school. <laughs> uh, no, it, it like I, I think uh, me and Tyler really gushed over the fact that the music is what really got us. Um, oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Oh my! Um, because um, 
yeah, I, 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 it was just great. I, it truly felt like uh, it, it made me think of all the Game Boy games I used to play growing up. And I'm like, this is really nice. And now I'm playing this on my PC and it feels the same, but it feels full. Like the music feels complete, you know, uh, it, it, the, the restrictions are still that it's, you know, uh, 8-bit or whatever, 16-bit channels and you're using that. But then it still feels like there's depth to the music. Like there's bass and there's middles and there's, you know, I was like, this is awesome. Oh, thank you. For me, back in the day, I used to work with a program called uh, Finale, which... You yeah, I use that. Okay, uh, it sounds like you've heard of it. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I used to make my music and whatnot using uh, sheet composition and all that stuff back in the day. And so, you know, th that's me as an amateur. So when I, you know, picked up this game and realized it was a passion project, I'm like, okay, you know, the, uh, they probably worked a little bit on the music. But when I heard it, being able to listen to that kind of music with a handheld device since i played the switch version of squidlet it was professional like uh th there's no way to like counter it. it's like i you know for me the big example always has been pokemon like you you can hear the the block music to this day in your head if you think about it like when you walk in the pokemon center and all that stuff and this hit the same exact context and so i was just you know sitting there I was like i had to sit there at you know at the town like holy smokes this is and I'm, I, I'm just sitting there listening, you know, put the switch down. You just listen to it. And it's like, holy crap, uh, they, they nailed the, the bass beat down and everything. Because, you know, maybe you expect like a, a simple one uh, file tune, but the fact that you're able to add uh, the extra sound effects, you had a foreground, you had the background, and then you had what sounded like a, a third uh, composite melody that worked with it in some of the films, uh, or not the film, uh, the music, especially like during the, uh, the laboratory theme was uh pretty uh, oh yeah way that, that was my favorite and so being able to hear all that done professionally and i only paid two dollars for it it's like cool i i love the uh the the ost of this game well I, thank I, you I, very much no no problem sorry now i'm getting embarrassed because uh i just realized like i'm saying this but i'm saying this to the person that you know made the <laughs> made the dirt <laughs> Uh, with, was there any games that you guys played, like, right before this that kind of helped inspire you to make Squidlet what it is? Because I know you, I believe, uh, you, Alex, you were the person that enjoyed drawing Squidlet since you were of, uh, a young age? Oh, yes. But I'm assuming you probably didn't know it was going to be a platformer right from the get-go. Maybe... Maybe the inspiration was just for the simplicity of being able to design the game, but was there any kind of games that gave you kind of an inspiration to what created it? Um, we kind of used uh, Kirby's Dreamland as a benchmark for like okay. what size. Okay, I didn't want to uh, say it. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for like, for mostly like the size of the game, like you know how how big a game that has that level of just kind of stuff in it, you know how right. long it should take. Um, most games on the Game Boy didn't have a save feature, and so it was like, how long should a game without a save feature be? Yeah. And like, how much stuff can you do with it? Right. Before, it you know, someone has to leave it. <laughs> and, uh, I believe I said, go on, I'm sorry, I'm gonna ramble, unless you stop No, go ahead. So. No, you're more important in this. Oh dear. <laughs> um, um, but like... The, the inking down mechanic was that was mostly like a process of elimination is like there's a whole bunch of platformers out there and a lot of them what do you do once you're over your enemy and like 
there hasn't really been one that I've found, at least, um, where you aim downwards with your shots and can't do anything else but aim downwards. Right. Um, zero G man or low G man on the nest has you stab a spear downwards, but mm. that's the only one I could um, I could find. Mm. So now, it's kind of a process of elimination. Uh, with Super Squidla, if you're able to talk about this, uh, have oh, yeah. you guys considered any kind of uh, different methods of uh, abilities that uh, our character would be able to have? Oh yes, uh, we have. We have several new things for Super Squidlet that we're very excited to talk about. Uh, one of them is that Plip is going to have a new ability to roll forwards. Nice. And she's going to be able to use that to, like, bonk enemies over. like Knock them down. Like, invulnerable enemies, you'll be able to knock them over and then ink on them. Okay, so and, almost uh, Donkey Kong style. Yeah. A little bit. You, uh, you Every time you hit something, you recoil diagonally up. Okay. And so it puts you in the air and you can ink from there and you can also use it to climb walls. Yeah. You're going to be able to climb walls now? Yeah, by like rolling into it over and over again. You know, uh, um, like Mario style. Um, uh, like wall climbing. Uh, you don't have by to jumping? jump off. Oh, okay. Yeah. You just bash it and recoil and then bash it again and then recoil. <laughs> okay. Okay. I and that visual it. picture just reminds me of uh, shell jumping a little bit. Mm. Like I Closest imagine- analogy. Rummy, it hits the wall, goes up a diagonal a little bit, but then you do another horizontal uh, strike against yeah. the wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good deal. Thank you. Uh, because, like, my one big complaint, essentially, against the game, and, you know, thank you for being patient with me when I say this, uh, was uh, just having the one singular attack uh, felt mm-hmm. a little bit fr- uh, frustrating. Uh, it felt like the... It was simple for what it was, but if you want to introduce, like, you know, a different variety of enemies that have different weak spots, it felt like you would need to have something else in the long run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, since the game's, like, three hours now, it'd be weird if I had, like, the one move to use for three hours. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. And, uh, when... Is Super Squidlet gonna be following the, uh, a similar style of aesthetic with the, the Game Boy? Yes, it's in color, though, so it's, uh, emulating the... simulating the Game Boy color. Good deal. Oh boy, and then Super Duper Squid the Game Boy Advance, now we're cooking. How, how did you learn that name? Oh. <laughs> um, I the guy wants to know your location. <laughs> uh, I did have a question, so I um, I browsed through the Steam page for Squidlet, and I noticed there was one user who had about 300 hours in the game. Oh yeah, yeah, we know who that is. What? Um, so I was just curious. I'm, I'm I'm assuming he might be maybe a massive outlier. I was just curious as to what you know kind of expectations you guys had for how people would react and how the game would perform and how do you feel about somebody having 300 hours in your game? That uh, was pr- most likely. Uh, that is definitely uh, nuclear or yeah. Jackson. He's the uh, he's the currently the current world record holder for the Squidlet speed run. And what is that? <laughs> Uh, uh, it's eight minutes and, and 59 seconds, I think. Holy yeah. shit. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say smokes of that. That's a holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. He was in, uh, he was in uh, GDQ uh, yeah. about a month ago. Yeah, he, With Squidlet? Uh, yeah, yeah, he managed to bring Squidlet nice. to the, the awesome games done quick. Yeah. We're, we're very proud of him. Yeah, uh, and he did really I, well. There, like, there's different sides of the coin as, like, how does the developer feel about their game being uh, speedrun? Because I, I think I watched a video of uh, the developers for the game. Have you heard of uh, Outer Worlds? 
Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the game can take, you know, anywhere up to, I think, like, 30 hours or whatnot, and someone speedrunned it in, I believe, 12 minutes, and it was, like, <laughs> oh, so bizarre for them to watch them make this gigantic work be done in under 20 minutes, so it was just, like, it threw them off, like, holy crap, I didn't know I, you could do that. So I wasn't sure how you are going to respond to somebody saying, hey, I can beat your game even faster than, you know, imaginatively possible. <laughs> Um, well, I'm frankly, like, happy that they're getting any sort of replayability out of a linear 30 minute, 30 minute to an hour long game, you know, yeah, like 300 hours, though. Jeez, like if they're doing yeah, that's know, a lot of practicing minute, sub 10 yeah. minute runs, that's almost 300 playthroughs or 3000 because I know there's um, <laughs> there's um, what do you call it? Uh, there's an achievement for doing a run under 12 minutes. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right. Okay, cool. Maybe he's trying to get that achievement, but I didn't know that he actually took it to uh, GDQ. That's, it's more like uh, that achievement was made to give to him. Like, yes. or, or, <laughs> we have. He we saw have that finally, achievement and he's like, "I'm gonna beat that." You got achievement. We have a. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just like, I was getting jealous because I don't think uh, there's any kind of trophy system for it on Switch. But now, I don't yeah, know. no, I don't know yeah, uh, there's no trophy system on the Switch that we're aware of, but uh. They got me thinking. We, yeah, we're, we're uh, we might make our own kind of. We have our own kind of like reward system for Super Squidlet. Okay. For like uh, finding hidden objects and collect uh, collectibles and unlocking some rewards for that. And but, uh, uh, how far along would you say Super Squidlet is coming? Seventy-five uh, percent. Yeah, we've. I'd, I'd say we're about seventy-five to eighty percent done with the game um we've we have the final like the final final boss to like flesh out and get ready to go and then it'll just be uh furious polishing and music making yeah and have you guys considered uh doing or maybe you guys have this and i'm not aware have you guys considered doing anything like uh kickstarter or patreon or anything like that for this game um we we thought about it like we've we thought about Kickstarter and we don't want to we don't want to try out Kickstarter simply because uh, we feel like there's a lot of people who've been burned by doing a Kickstarter game and not seeing it realized in the way they want. Right. We have That's talked cool. about doing a Patreon though and like maybe after we do Super Squidlet and having videos that will show like phases of the development progress and yeah. how we make certain enemies and that kind of stuff. Hey, if I could pay, sense. you know, 10 bucks a month and have, uh, you know, Tyler the Squidlet and I, you know, we can work this out. Uh, <laughs> but I, the, the main reason why I think that is $800 is a lot for a year to have it on the Switch. That's, that's a price. And it, with the Squidlet being, you know, at a, a very, very, you know, reasonably cheap price, it just seems like uh, there's got to be some way to help keep the dream alive because you're well, it's like a it's $800 for like the license and then you're allowed to use the license for a year to produce a Switch title. Yeah, since Squidlet was already done and Super Squidlet is almost done, we're going to get it off the same 800. So Oh, thank goodness. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> like <if> we... <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially the $800 uh basically like if you were to have 20 games, you could run off that $800 for that yeah. one year to put games on the Switch. Yeah, uh, theoretically, yeah. Oh, wow, cool. That's and it, 
I think it'd be cheaper than them taking a cut. Like if they took like a 30% cut or something like some yeah. engines might, or I don't mm. know how much other engines take, but yeah, it, I think it's, I think it's an okay deal. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say, are you going to try to get Super Squid on the Switch? Uh, alongside oh, heck yeah. That piece? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm, the goal. I'm, uh, I'm, we've I'm been very, it. very happy with how Squid has performed on the Switch. I'm glad. Uh, hopefully things have been working out well for you in that direction. Because uh, a lot of uh, indie developers have said that, you know, sometimes it feels like they're getting ready to put in the, in the, uh, the towel. But the moment they released it on the Switch, suddenly it got such a huge up uprising that it's actually, you know, been able to fund them to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big yeah. game in mind was uh, Blossom Tale, which was a amount of steam. Uh, Link to the Past clone it was moderately successful for the developer, but uh, it wasn't until they got on Switch that it took a huge, huge jump and worked out for them. So, Nostalgia. Uh, mm -hmm. Nostalgia is powerful especially Super when powerful. now with the the switch light and it's even it's even smaller form factor and then you can still play like retro games on it or wherever you are yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh this is a question i wrote in bold even though i i already got the answer but hopefully we can work <laughs> something out here where can we get uh you know merchandise for blip or just within uh is is it blip or it's flip flip Thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm looking at my uh, mental image and for some reason the B was upside down uh, or I had it the wrong way up. Uh, plip, where can we get merchandise? Where can we get stuffed plips? Well, I wish we could make stuffed plips. Yeah, like, like we, the moment we can, we will. Like Yeah. <laughs> like uh, currently it's like we if we wanted to do a line, we'd have to get like 5,000 plushies shipped to our house. And then yeah, because they only do wholesales. And yeah, so would, we just we just simply don't have the time to do it. <laughs> I feel like A, that would be expensive. B, that's a lot of plips and Yeah. Like I can say it's like that might be like heaven. Scrooge McDuck into him. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, there needs to be a mandatory five hundred plips in the bed before I go to sleep. <laughs> uh you're like trying to take a shower. It's like, oh, what are you doing here? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, heck, even like uh, stickers or stuff. Have you guys considered like going with Redbubble to make like a, a plip sticker or anything like that? Or I, I would like to do something like that. I just, yeah. frankly, I we're new to all this and we don't really know where to go. <laughs> no, no, that's, <laughs> that's fair. You guys are focused on the game. I'm just focused on like trying to get as much as I can of uh, Squidlet like to me <laughs> ASAP. Like I'm the kind of guy that's like I play the game the next day I'm wearing the t-shirt kind of thing. So, but <laughs> uh, I guess the the final question about the the game uh, itself with uh, Super Squidlet and with your experience with uh, the first game Squidlet, is there anything you would recommend to aspiring game developers who are struggling to finish their game? Uh, like we talked with Nick here a little bit about the idea of like getting it started uh, using Game Maker as a platform. Is there anything you guys could recommend? The the number one thing I can recommend is like uh, what most game developers struggle with. And I saw this a, a good bit when I was getting my degree at the Arts Institute for Game Design is that they'll choose an initial project that is just way too big and over ambitious. like, yeah, it's it's and even if you make something tiny and then get it out 
and have some feedback on it, that's perfectly okay. I and mean, just that's exactly focusing, what this is. yeah, focusing on like completing small things and working your way up is one of the is one of the safest ways to go. Okay. okay. Uh, all I got left is personal questions. Unless uh, Nick, Glenn, do you have anything you want to throw at the table here? Because uh, Glenn, I know I know you've been a quiet boy over here, but. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about game development. I'm just soaking it in. So I'm just <laughs> happy to listen more than anything, uh, because uh, especially because one, one of my favorite games is something that was developed by a small team. Stardew Valley was made by a guy, you know, and so like, yeah, I really admire the small game developer and and love hearing the insights that come from you about the struggles and the the, the most rewarding parts. So it's been very very uh nice to see behind the curtain a little bit so oh i forgot to mention something about like starting with a game development project as soon as you add one person to the team you need to have a design bible and what i mean by that is like you need to have a master document that has everything that everyone knows about the the uh, intellectual property and that's one thing that we've very quickly discovered when we started working with each other full time. Yes. Yeah. We had to stop like everything and ask each other questions and discuss this and discuss super squidlet or like squidlet psychology or things like this. And like, and squid squad's more of a main character this time around. Yes. And so will be playable right. in super squidlet. Oh boy. today. And um, I also forgot to mention there will be drop in, drop out two player and all of super squidlet. Oh, did you see yeah. all of our heads go, huh? Like, <laughs> yeah, we probably bit off a bit more than we could do, but we're, yeah, we're, we're chewing it. We're too deep now. Please, so we're not finish. worthy. If you can get us co-op, holy smokes, that would that would be awesome. We're uh, we're working on it. Yeah, yeah. You want to? If you can't, sure. if I'll you lie. need to retract that, that's okay. I respect it, but <laughs> you got our eyes lit up like no other business. If, like, If it doesn't come out on release, it'll be a part of the expansion pass, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is it the season pass yeah. <laughs> um probably the weirdest thing and the heftiest thing that we probably shouldn't have bitten off but we we bit it and yeah. um the squid squat playable section is a um first person shooter rpg <laughs> done up in the game boy style yeah like baseball 2000 Oh, yes. My oh my goodness. There's <laughs> something for everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we first started working on this. Like, Alex uh, was interested in, uh, I think it was like Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah. I love, yes. I love old first person shooters. And so, like, uh, we had to, like, we had to uh, abandon where we were living because of an old uh, mold infestation yeah. for uh, like a few weeks. And we were at this beach house, this beach condo, and this Alex worked on creating a ray casting system to have first person like sections for Squid Squat. And well, like, it was just a first person system in Game Maker. And once we saw it, we were like, oh, this we ha- got to use this. This has to be in Super Squidlet somehow. And that's that's how we got onto this. I believe now, there's no, like, there's no textures on the walls. No, yeah. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. I was joking about this with Nick, I think, uh, in the review episode. Like, I feel like they're going to do, like, add silly things, like, do some kind of uh, Dr. Robachnik's, uh, like, a Puyo Puyo style game with uh, 
mean <laughs> bean machine or something like that. So, you know, I was expecting to say something, but when he told me a first-person shooter with Squid Squad, it's like, God Emperor. Sorry, pardon me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. Now, now don't get me wrong. I love platformers. I grew up on them. Crash Bandicoot, Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Dexter. I'm, I, like, that's my generation, at least the PS2. But right. then the fact that I can play a platformer and also at some point have an FPS in the... Um, <laughs> You've already bought me. So can we pre-order right now? <laughs> <laughs> just take my money, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> Blank check. Uh, so just a couple of personal questions, and uh, I'm gonna you know lay them off here and there. Do do squidlets? Does Plip like ketchup? Uh, yeah, she likes ketchup. Uh, I think yeah. she'd eat them on eggs, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, don't, I don't know why that came up, but it was like a very important question when we were discussing the review. It's like, do you think you know, does Plip like ketchup? And it's like, well, probably. I, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, sure. Maybe it was kind of <laughs> like uh, Pikachu uh, with Pikachu's fascination with uh, ketchup in that one episode in the. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, that was such, <laughs> such a sad scene when that ketchup bottle broke. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you guys play D and D. What's your what's your favorite class and race? Um, let's see. I'm having a lot of fun playing a pixie barbarian. Um, what in the world? <laughs> a tiny creature that gets so really not introduced a pixie into fifth edition yet. They had it in fourth edition. I love that so much. <laughs> so like, Alex's first character was a uh, a. A subtype of human called an Orid, which yeah. is this humans who have like ancestry with earth elementals or earth aspected genies. Genasi! Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um she was <laughs> playing a holy shield paladin, which specializes in like massive armor class. And she got up to forty. Yeah, she she got up to an armor class of forty in Pathfinder. And I was like, okay, so we played. We played with uh, that character's name was Toop, and yeah, Toop. Toop played with us for a while, for a good while. But we started to have issues where, like, since it was a party of paladins, all of their saves were just way too high for spells yeah. to work right. most of the time. And Toop's armor called. class was also so high that nothing could hit her in melee combat. So okay, so I know nothing about Pathfinder. I'm still new to D and D. So yeah. is is the armor class system in Pathfinder and D and D similar? Yes. Uh, not it, really. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Like, it's it's just scaled differently. So yeah, like, okay, would be the equivalent of like a 20, 22 or okay, so. In that, that's edition. still pretty high. That's still it's pretty really, high. Yeah, and maybe yeah, twenty five even. Yeah, like it's like, really high. Yeah. In Pathfinder, like average armor classes begin to cap out at around the twenty five to thirty range uh, for high level stuff, and if if you push it hard, you can get it up to like the thirty five to forty range. The highest armor class I've ever seen done was actually a rogue duelist with an armor class of 45, but had an <laughs> armor class of 50 if they were moving. But, uh, <laughs> and they're and like, they, they were dual wielding, so they had no shield yeah. and they were wearing leather armor. Yeah. So this, Dexterous as hell. Is this fucking Naruto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, every it's, time you hit him, it just—it's a piece of wood. Jeez. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> what's his uh, Gen or uh, Neji? 
It does like the thousand palms technique. Just you can't touch me. <laughs> yeah. Eight trigrams, sixty-four palm. There yeah. it is. Anyway, Toop was a bad tank because nothing would attack her. Because like, they just would try once and then so quit. <laughs> it's just a Sherman yeah, like, tank that strolls in ever since. Yeah. Yeah, then like her damage output was also like on the very, very low end. So like monsters would just ignore her because she was just this walking ball of metal that they just couldn't hurt. So they just <laughs> ignore her. Sounds so accurate. We yeah, we orchestrated Toop's death to a barbarian assassin that specializes in breaking equipment. And oh, that's that, evil. I love it. <laughs> um, and after after we did that, Alex began playing the Pixie Barbarian, which specializes as a Titan Mauler. Yeah, and so like if I fight something bigger than me, which is usually for Every a normal size all class, the time, like, is it a bug? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say a gnome. Your time is now, giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So everything's a titan to her, so she gets benefits to fighting everything. Yeah. And um, cool. she, uh, she like, we did a mythic thing, so she has mythic ranks. And my most recent thing was that I uh, I took out a, a, a cave. Like, I can do this thing where I crash through walls. And if I crash through enough wall, I can actually cause a cave-in. And I... Yeah, the Pathfinder has mythic levels, and I wanted to start throwing uh, heavier-duty monsters at them because they were kind of melting things a little too fast. So I gave them a mythic level so they could actually survive mythic monsters. Oh, and um, yeah. the issue that I didn't see was that a mythic barbarian can use multiple abilities while they're out in, in their barbarian rage to upgrade their strength to phenomenal levels. That's a one-time thing. It's, like I yeah. get a, until I level, I only get so many uses of this. Yeah, and so oh she, she blew almost all of them all at once to take out this boss. <laughs> she was like, "I'm going to use my crash through walls this ability." Is my Disney movie. I need a moment. <laughs> and so she uh, she boosted, if I remember right, her she boosted her strength modifier to like thirty. Or 35, which means her I remember strength, my strength was uh, the, 60. Yeah, strength score was 60 when she used this oh ability, when she used all these abilities to boost her strength. I burned like every one of my abilities. And so she, like, no, I had, I had to like take a moment to like figure out how am I going to do this. And so, like, she, this little, like, one foot tall fairy <laughs> just like goes off like a freaking cannon shot and just goes straight through <laughs> solid punch cave man. wall it's like, like 15 20 yeah, feet of solid like cave 20 wall. feet of solid cave wall which is the thickest wall in the cave and she just blasts straight through it so i'm like well i guess I this missed. cave is going to collapse and if since the cave collapsed it was actually a cave underneath the city and so like Ooh, a city yeah. block cave down so <laughs> it was it was a nightmare it's but, so uh, silly i love it it sounds like oh California found a new reason to blend the sinkholes. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Alex's favorite character, I think. <laughs> Pretty fun. I just always forget how like different systems scale differently. Because when I played, I played primarily in fourth edition to start back in mm. like the early two thousands, and so I played a little three point five. Actually, the first tabletop game I played was the Star Wars uh, game from like the 1970s. Awesome. Oh, man. Um, and so like I had just a very vast experience. I played a little Pathfinder. It wasn't my cup of tea. Little. It's very deep. That hole was very it's, deep. And I was just like, uh, 
Pathfinder is uh, very hard. Like one of the reasons yeah. this edition is because I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I worked at a comic book store here in Burbank and like, have you seen the flight tiers? I think they're called that are made by Paizo. Yeah. Where I think they're so. like, yeah. The guy that owns this comic book store that I worked uh, at, like they're partners with Paizo and he made those combat tiers for oh, flight, flighted characters. And so they were all about Pathfinder and they brought me into a game and I was a wizard and they were like, and it was just not what I expected. And I was completely useless. Oh, no. <laughs> Playing wizard is really hard in Pathfinder. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. Now the thing they did was really cool. They, every Halloween, they have this evil guy who like tries to find a way out of this like planar prison. And it's always different. He uses like Hallows Eve's energy to try and get out. And so like, there's always a new thing and every year they do it and have groups come in and they can score points playing the game. And so whoever finishes it fast gets all of these benchmarks. Like if you win, you get like a hundred dollar gift card to use at the store, you know? And so, it, but it encourages people to come in and play at the table at the store. So like, anyway, they were all about Pathfinder. So I love that you guys love that. Um, but I'm really excited for you guys to jump into fifth edition because it's also, it's <laughs> another very, very fun way to, you know, enjoy creating a story with a group of people. So, like nice. the best man at my wedding was the guy that taught me how to play D&D. So, like, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> when you were like, my parents met at the table, I was like, oh, my God. Is it magical? <laughs> Damn, do you have a favorite class or race? Uh, I know you're probably usually the DM, aren't you? Yes. Uh, I've been, I've played, like, I've uh, used heavy quotation marks with played because I'm including my DM time. Yeah. But uh, I've... <laughs> I've played D&D for 20 years and I've I've been DMing for 10 of those. So I've I'm very much resigned myself to the forever DM class. But uh DM. Yeah, uh, there was this one time where I played a kobold and this kobold was a wizard or a sorcerer. I think it was sorcerer because we were playing Pathfinder. Ooh, that's cool. And uh and just wizards in Pathfinder are too unwieldy for me to handle. <laughs> But um, I I played a kobold wizard, and her name was Squid Squat, and this is actually where Squid Squat comes from. Sounds right. Uh, Squid Squat was this kobold who believed that she was a an emperor of the gods. So she ran around with her like massive charisma score and absolute like trash intelligence. And she would like run up to like kings and go and scream in draconic because that was the holy language uh, of her own religion that she had herself as the deity of <laughs> because she worshiped herself naturally. But, um, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> she would go up to kings and scream at them in draconic, like, I am your god emperor, bow down before me. And I would strike a pose at the table and everything. And just like the, the DM would run these positions of power where they would like everyone would see my character as this little insane kobold because no one understood draconic so <laughs> so they all just let it slide and as these people in power let it slide she would begin to like believe it herself until she was eventually like going up before like the avatars of gods and claiming that they bow down before oh, her no. as the god emperor and they would oh, just no. brush her off as an insane kobold that's Wonderful. And uh, I I got to the point where uh, I actually converted 
Alex's character to worshiping her. Yeah. And we I use I used Alex's character and my own character to write a Bible <laughs> and pass it out to this uh, a race of spider to people. a race of spider people. We trade they like they trade their currency was based off of like shiny objects. And so I just destroyed their entire economic system by trading a mirror <laughs> and said, here's my Bible, become my uh, my merc- my uh, missionary, become my prophet upon this world. And the the spider person was like, all right, I guess I'll do this now. <laughs> Sweet. This I is my life. Gain, like <laughs> divine powers and stuff before the campaign ended. It was oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> And that's the uh, that's not exactly the squid squat from Squidlet, but that's no, where no, she yeah. that's her origin, her character origin, kind yeah. of like we've uh, she's, what she's based on is she's that. changed drastically from that template, but uh, now uh, the squid squat from Squidlet is a much more level headed person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I was like, I was curious to see the character development with uh, squid squat. And her, uh, her place in uh, Super the maniacal God King. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now with the first person shooter, I know it's this isn't the case, but I keep imagining like Shadow the Hedgehog with a Uzi or some crap. And so, <laughs> I, I hope I hope that's not what happens with Squid Squat. I hope you don't give her a no. Uh, she has spells. Um, yeah, she has multiple spells, and okay. she'll have a she has a leveling up system, and you can unlock new spells, uh, change her stats. Um, upgrade the spells you have. Yeah, good deal. Uh, let's just uh power through these last few questions, kind of as a uh, lightning round, if we could. Uh, you guys got a pair of lucky dice? We do, or Ooh. I do. Yeah, they're unlucky to me. <laughs> I have, as the Faithful. player, you're like, uh, uh-uh. yeah. Uh, I have specifically one d20 that is considered like every DM has that one dice that like always crits for them. And mine is this green D20 with runes on it. And like every time I roll it and it's an, an attack with a character, it seems to always roll 18, 19, or most likely 20. Nice. And must be your best that, friend with that, die. that one dice has killed four characters on this one campaign so far. Oh my Lord. So it's, it's uh like like a lot of times I'll forget I'm using it and then I'll like I'll roll uh, like a uh, like two crits in a row and I'm like oh crap I shouldn't use this one <laughs> and then I'll just move <laughs> to a different dice. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Uh, it's beautiful. Anything? What about you, Alex? Do you have a you said uh, the lucky die uh, he has or sorry she has uh, is super unlucky for you? Um. Uh- that one's killed me before, but um, <laughs> oh, I only have one so... D20, and uh, I don't know if it's lucky or not. Seems to be pretty normal. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, do you guys got a favorite game? Ooh, I really mm. like Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, that's by far my favorite. I, oh, yeah. There's not much that compares to Kingdom Hearts 2 in my mind. One that knows nothing, we gain nothing <laughs> sorry I I, I I i love quoting xemnas uh from that game yeah yeah he is, quit the character i'd have to say one of my favorite games would honestly have to be the original everquest from Ooh. like yeah yeah uh, she everquest, and i play that a lot 
uh, the the rise of Kunark, the scars of Velius, and in a very unpopular opinion, the shadows of Lucklin. And the shadows I, of what now? The shadows of Lucklin, which was okay, an I expansion that introduced like... the moon as a place you could go to, and it it had a whole bunch of uh, of like balance readjustment to the mechanics, and a lot of people didn't like what they did. Hmm. They tried upgrading the graphics from like like four polygon heads to like full poly full political models and they didn't like that either but um i loved the original everquest because it seemed like i was like nine or ten years old at the time but like it seemed so big like it was just such a big game and i just uh, like i logged in and i was like i will never see every inch of this world and I still haven't. Like they have the Project 1999 private server, which I highly recommend. They're very good group guys. But um, they, it's it's just a really big game. It's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. Like you lose experience, and your corpse keeps all of your items when you die. So you have to run back and go get it. Okay. But, uh, uh, can other people fun. loot you if uh, you're not back quick enough, or? Well, I I played on the I made the terrible mistake of following a friend's advice and playing on the Ralos Zek server, which was a free for all PvP server. Oh. So <laughs> everyone could attack everyone, and when you died, uh, whoever killed you could loot your corpse and take all of the money you had on your corpse and one item that wasn't uh, unclassified as a no drop item. That's no, no, thank you. Yeah, so I, I, I you did a, not like that. I did not like that at all. And <laughs> it took me ten years severely to get into the tainted my opinion of PvP ever since. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> screw that. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's gonna be it for uh, you know, the, the main show here. So if you don't mind, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say before we uh, get to the uh, part where we wrap this up in a pretty bow? Um, thank you for having us. Yeah, it was thank a you lot so of fun. Much. Oh, thank it was you a pleasure. For, you know, yeah, thank you for being there here with us. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say an honor almost. Uh, sorry, I, uh, blushing. Uh, Nick, <laughs> game releases. Yes. Show floor is all yours, buddy. All right. So, um, coming out starting February 11th. Uh, we've got Yakuza Five on the PS4. Uh, from the ever popular Yakuza series. Uh, next up is Damon X Machina. February ter- 13th, yeah. finally making its way to PC after coming out on the Switch last year. Um, Darksiders Genesis, February 14th, Valentine's Day, is getting its release on consoles. Um, and the next few we have up here are also on Valentine's Day, this Friday, the coming Friday. Um, Darksiders Genesis is a um, Diablo looking entry to the dark side of series made by different developers but same ip um we've got a game called dreams coming out mm-hmm. uh, for the for ps4 uh what do you know about this one tyler absolutely nothing uh nice basically it's uh to me all i know it as uh basically a game maker or like a level maker essentially where you get to create your own little worlds uh, the reason why I'm excited for Dreams is just because during one of the uh, ads for it or trailers, somebody recreated a little level for Dead Space in it, and I don't ah, know what I don't know what that entails. I don't know like if this is like a Gary's mod for the PlayStation Four or what, but I hope so because uh, again, trying to keep I'm, myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know what Dreams is, but like I've the one the only thing I've seen from it is there is this guy and I saw a picture of it on Twitter who remade a traditional like British fry up breakfast and it looked real. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I desperately want it. <laughs> I know, right? It's by the same people that made Little Big Planet, except you know, oh. instead of making it uh, all cutesy and stuff, you can make a lot of stuff. And yeah, I don't know what can be done yet. I'm very excited for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, flavor text for it is, Dreams is an extraordinary, ever-expanding game universe from the award-winning uh, Media Molecule. Uh, people that made uh, Little Big Planet and Tearaway, where you can discover community-made games from around the world and learn to make your own. And so, <laughs> like, as a person that really enjoyed uh, Little Big Planet back in the day, specifically, I love playing the levels. I love creating levels because you could get so creative with uh, different things you could do in Little Big Planet. And uh, this looks like a step forward for it. So, I- I'm excited. I'm just super excited for it. It looks cute and. Uh, good breakaway plus it's on valentine's day so hopefully uh yeah hopefully a little multiplayer in it uh and uh lastly nick uh there's one last game for friday yes we've got a game called snack world the dungeon crawl gold february 14th also on the switch um this looks like a roguelike um jrpg um and it seems to be the setting of the world uses snack names because you start off in a village called Tutti Fruity, I think. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah. yeah, no, it, it looks like uh, it, it's uh, this is the Western release. So this has already made its uh, appearance in Japan last year. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a, it's weird because I've never heard of this franchise, but apparently it's like there's a manga, there's an anime, there's uh, there was a previous game that came out in 2017 for the 3DS. Um, uh, that was also a, a roguelike RPG. Um, and Dungeon Crawl Gold actually came out in 2018, my bad, um, in Japan. So we're getting the uh, worldwide release uh, this Valentine's Day. Good deal. And just to clarify a little bit for Yakuza 5, uh, it's probably a, well, it's technically Yakuza 5 Kiwami. Uh, this game came out already, I believe, on either the PS2 or PS3. This is just the HD remake. Ah, I see. Well, uh, in preparation. And my the, mistake. No, I mean, I didn't put it up there. So, whoopsie. But yeah, uh, yeah, because uh, it's been making a return to the PlayStation 4, this, the fifth one, after they... Basically, what happened was they released Yakuza 0 uh, a few years ago. Everybody loved it. Everybody wanted to play Yakuza again. So rather than making them find the PS2 or PS3 version of it, they cited the HD port 1 through 5 over the past couple of years, and uh, Yakuza 6 Song of Life came out, I believe, two years ago. So the bit of a dance around but uh still pretty good games so i just wanted to give it a good clarify and glenn with uh the podcast coming out on monday february 10th we have three people to celebrate birthdays with oh yay mm-hmm. oh. oh you want me to do that i mean if you want <laughs> do you want i would love to because quite honestly <laughs> i saw that and uh the second game on this list is something that's very near and dear to me oh yeah um, i had a hunch because uh, you probably saw my face and probably knew exactly why. Uh, right around the time when I started getting into tabletop was when I started playing Champions of Norath, and uh, it came out on the PS2 in 2004. It was a wonderful multiplayer game. I had to have the multi-tap for it because all my friends wanted to play it. <laughs> if you know Absolutely. what a multi-tap is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Make yourself a little bit. <laughs> What's it? Seven, um, can you do seven players or eight players with multi-tap? Uh, it's four per multi-tap, so you could do up to 
eight players depending on the game you were <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh man. Yeah, oh, yeah, you could hook up two multi-taps, but most games only went up to four, so there was almost no need. Um, like I think same with Champions of North, it was up to four. So you didn't you could hook up two multi-taps because of the two existing ports for that, but Right. Um, multi-tap on yeah, the PlayStation 1 for CTR. 16th birthday Champions of Norath. Wow. Happy Sam and I love birthday. playing that. Oh, yeah. Great game. Um, and then uh, we have a game that I'm not super familiar with, uh, Loco Roco 2. Oh, um, yeah. And I assume it's on the list for a reason. Is this dear to one of you guys? Yeah, I like Loco Roco. I played uh, the first okay. one. Yeah, the cute, yeah. funzy game for the PlayStation Portable. This is the second one. But, uh, yeah. Oh, I that's what the- PSP stands for? Are we about to make the joke about PSP, Vita, and Wii U's being uh, imaginary consoles that require loads of consoling to try to get it back? Never heard of them. Yeah, What's that? Okay. <laughs> Nick's a victim here. He has Wii U amnesia. Uh, and that yeah. is it's the 11th birthday of that game. Yeah, happy 11th so, birthday of Loco Roca 2. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, Wario Land 2. Wario Land 2? 20, it, it, Wario Land 2 can officially go to the bars, my friends. Now, is yeah. that Wario Land 2 on the Virtual Boy or the Wario Land 2 uh, on the Game Boy? On the Game Boy color. Okay. Yep. Yeah, but it can go out for drinks. Happy <laughs> birthday to those games. <laughs> I wonder if Wario would drink. Oh, I'm sure he would. Probably. Yeah. I bet he's a gin person. Garlic gin. No, he just seems like, a. He just, from everything I know about Wario, probably just straight up beer. Cheap beer too, though, because he's very yeah. greedy. Like, uh, And then really frugal. quick, too, so frugal. he gets really buzz really quick. <laughs> I mean, the dude eats nothing but garlic, so I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, garlic's so good. And then uh, Waluigi's probably like a barefoot wine or something like that, because he's sophisticated. sophisticated. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> but sometimes times gets tough, so, you know, Wario's like, Waluigi, drink the wine out of the box. Francia, all day. <laughs> All right, Sam, Alex, where can we find you on Twitter? We're we at are. Super Squidlet. Yes, and you can find us uh, there. We post all of, post most of our news there first, and that's where you'll be able to see links to trailers and all kinds of fun things as we announce more about Super Squidlet. Right, good deal. And I hope to hear more of the details. And please, uh, if if there's if you need any Q and A, uh, we got your back. We, we love the heck out of the first game. We're excited for the second one. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at two times Tyler, all letters, one word. Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitch and Instagram at lr11 or Twitter at lr the eleventh. Glenn, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Glenn Houston. Glenn with two N's. Houston looks like Huston. And on Twitch at Arazeth. Which is uh, for you to our guest. That is the name of my first and most beloved D and D character. So it's uh, oh. my Twitch handle. So <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and you, you can check out uh, CMQ Casual Master Quest on Twitter at CMQ Network, or you can email us and uh, give us spam and all that stuff at casualmasterquest at gmail.com. We haven't put in a text anywhere because we know we, the moment we do that, the spam bots have got us. So casualmasterquest at gmail.com. If voice detects us, spam bots have caught us, then oof. Uh, you can also find <laughs> us on Facebook and Instagram at casualmasterquest. Uh, lastly, if you want to check out you know, all the uh, possible venues that we offer, uh, you can, uh, what's it called? Linktree, Nick, on uh, Twitter? 
Yeah, we have a link right up on our Twitter profile that'll take you to everywhere we are. Including uh, a Discord, which you're absolutely welcome to. Uh, lastly, we do have a D&D podcast called Casual Quest Masters, where uh, the party just finally got back together because splitting up was an excellent idea. Uh, we, kissed <laughs> a, we kissed a stone, we watched a uh, dwarf uh, pile drive 20 feet into the ground, and accidentally teleported into Lord Never Ember's uh, private guest chambers, uh, which uh-huh. caused an interesting scene. But uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Unless anybody else wants to give any last uh, words, plugs, or anything of the likes. No, I think we're good. Awesome. Then that was Sam. That was Alex. That was Nick. That was Glenn. And this was Tyler. Thank you very much for listening to episode 86 of Casual Master Quest. And we'll see you next week. But don't forget to never stop the grind. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 (laughs) What? intro to the podcast titled casual master quest was paid for and produced by the wonderful talent revelries music you can find more of their work at soundcloud.com forward slash revelries music or just click on the link in the show descriptions the background music is the album top 50 best classical piano music by brilliant classics you can find out more about creative commons at www.creativecommons.org forward slash license forward slash buy forward slash 4.0